1: Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Tim Heaney. It's our Friday Thoughts episode for Week 5 of the NFL season. we got a recap of Cardinals and and 49ers. I I know we don't have to recap the game, but we will politely do it because it is sort of our duty. It's kind of like an obligation uh, to do that. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and uh, enjoy it, please consider leaving us a nice rating and or review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, Tim, how's it going for you on this Friday? Oh, it's going all right. You know, how has that do with you? I didn't make that beer run that I wanted to make uh, last Friday. So oh, yeah. So I may have to do it this Friday. I, I had to, Where did I go last Friday? Oh, I had to bring my wife halfway to Milwaukee for a wedding on Saturday. She had to go help the night before. So my Friday night ended up being driving around not buying beer, which was not quite what i had in mind
2: <laughs> well you know you, you have the duties you got to perform i mean beer in my sing, you know my world is you know a, a thing i like to perform all the time i i did a little toast for you in my number i did get a couple of ones i really liked um southern southern tier pumpkin to ring in the season that's a really good one if you haven't had it have you had that one yet i
1: think i have had that one once i i get that one and then there's uh, lakefront milwaukee has a pumpkin one that's pretty good I think mm-hmm. I've had both of those now and they I they, the lakefront has two age They have a like a brandy a brandy aged one and that mm. one's that one's extra good.
2: Well, we talked about how the the extra, you know, barrel aged stuff you're going with last week is kind of on the high uh, end of your wish list as well. You got to got to hop on that before we get to the next podcast, I think.
1: Yeah, it it's going to be a barrel aged sort of weekend, I think, especially with the Packers mm. having a night game on Sunday night. That's the perfect, you know, get the snifter out, drink something really nice. Uh, kind of game, so I'll I'll be planning yeah. on that uh, for the weekend. Uh, let's go ahead and quickly dissect this game as <laughs> as fast as we can. I mean, like I'm I'm thinking like high school biology class. You didn't want to dissect the frog, so you just did it to get it over with, just to move on. Um, Drew Stanton is is not a good quarterback. We kind of knew that already. He proved it again last night. And despite that, the Cardinals won this game uh, by 12, mostly because David Johnson is amazing. And it's really Le'Veon Bell versus David Johnson right now for the mantle of, of best fantasy running back in the game.
2: No, I have to agree. I mean, when you look at this guy, just run naturally. His motor is just ridiculous, and you know the physicality he puts in. You know, you, you think he's a, just a speedster when you you know first learn about him, but no, he's he's a guy that just barrels over people. Um, you know, great instincts and keeps running like i said just just doesn't really um give up much at the line and obviously San Francisco's defensive front nothing to be excited about but it's just an, it, it's a nice um to show that he can feast on defenses like this and obviously be as the number one weapon in this offense now. And obviously with the quarterback problems, they're gonna they're gonna keep feeding him. Uh, you know, thirty something touches per game. It's great for this year. Uh we'll see what how that accumulates at the end of the season. But uh, you know, definitely enjoying the ride right now. I have him in a few leagues, and it's uh very, very pleasant to see what he does against defenses
1: like that. I really wish I had shares, just the player I missed out on based on where I was in my snake drafts and then in auctions. I just didn't happen to go all in i went more receiver heavy instead of paying up for the top running back something i regret for sure not Mm. having any shares of david johnson uh when drew stanton threw it he threw it 28 times he completed 11 passes so a 39.3 percent completion percentage for 124 yards two tds 4.4 yards per attempt very impressive he even uh, got below the number that blaine gabbert posted last night a 5.2 ypa from blaine gabbert Pretty much everything went to Larry Fitzgerald. Six for eighty one, two TDs on eight targets. David Johnson targeted six times. John Brown, one catch for eleven yards on four targets. Michael Floyd, a donut on three targets. I mean, Floyd, I, I think the stance I've got right now is that he's a he's a rich man's Torrey Smith. I mean, he's just not getting involved enough to where you can trust him outside of your best ball setups, and those have already been drafted. So if you have him right now, you're just kind of screwed.
2: Yeah, I'll commiserate as being a one league owner of him. I had to play him because I have shares of guys like Eddie Royal, Latavius Murray, uh, Devontae Parker. Who, for weather concerns, who knows what that game's going to be like? And I had to play Floyd last night because we start four wide receivers, three running backs, and two flex. Uh, it's a really deep ten team league, hmm. so I had to put Floyd in my lineup because you know I knew he was playing. That was did not go over very well, and obviously the snap count early in the game at least favored Brown and I'm pretty sure it favored John Brown at the end as well definitely out there more so in the two wideout sets maybe with the run blocking that they were doing last night that probably favored John Brown's playing time uh, it's going to take a lot I think for Floyd to really pop off in any facet just to, you know besides a desperation flex play right now it's a uh, definitely has to be like the perfect matchup if they even want to use him and that's it's a dangerous call to trust him like that
1: yeah it, it really is so think if you you paid up and you you took one of Floyd or Brown around the time Fitz was going, you're disappointed because Fitz's stock is up right now. Other two receivers, the stock definitely down in Arizona. And and Carson Palmer's supposed to be back in week six. We'll see if that happens uh, as they expect. And that does give both of those secondary options a nudge up, but I I don't like the way things have unfolded. Brown's been getting a lot of targets the last couple weeks uh, prior to this one, so that bodes well for his chances of perhaps having a big game here in the near future. On San Francisco's side, I think they need to make the change to Colin Kaepernick. Blaine Gabbert is just not giving them anything at quarterback. They haven't won uh, since they shut out the Rams in the opener in week one. And with Gabbert, I mean, outside of his ability as a runner, there's just not enough there as a passer to get excited about. Whereas with Kaepernick, he has the arm strength when healthy to make the throws downfield and to actually make a few more plays. He just seems so ideally suited to a typical Chip Kelly offense. I think the problem for San Francisco, however, is that they don't have the playmakers around him. Outside of Carlos Hyde, there's not a player in their offense right now that I like. And Jeremy Curley had a good game last night, eight for 102 and 13 targets. uh, Got in the end zone. Probably this year's Kamar Aiken is like the nicest thing you Mm. can say about him, at least in the first half. He'll be second half Kamar Aiken of last year. But do you trust him i mean like, i I certainly don't, and I just expect Hyde to get his volume and everything else to be kind of a mess,
2: yeah, Hyde is obviously the, the the stable horse here didn't wasn't amazing, but he got his touchdown, and that's kind of what you're you know expecting from him. He has six already this year, I believe, and I believe that's time for the lead lead in the league, and they're going to put him in positions like that to at least you know keep running even when they're trailing because that's actually the only, one of the few things that actually works in a chip Kelly offense, but you know Kelly. With, with the quarterbacks in, in Philly, they they were able to challenge the deep ball pretty well, and Gabbert definitely doesn't seem like as good a fit as even Sam Bradford was in, in that setup. So, yeah, Kaepernick's like you said, the, the the downfield attacking is definitely something they sorely need. I think that would hurt Curly if they switched to Kaepernick because he won't have to check down as much or he won't choose to check down as much. Um, you know, you're right about the mess otherwise. I, I think, you know, Torrey Smith... Being involved more with Kaepernick gone would probably be my guess of who would benefit Vance McDonald if he does actually get to suit up as you know um, get in more game action there. I think would benefit him a little bit as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely a transitional offense, and if they do make that transition, when, when is San Francisco's buy? By the way, that would be the, the when you'd expect something like that.
1: I would be content for them to take multiple buys. Like, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be fine with that. Like if I didn't accidentally watch them play for a few weeks, that'd be that'd be great. Uh, but to, to answer your question with the, the proper response, uh, their buy comes after they play the Bucks, which appears to be, if I'm uh, calculating this correctly, 6, 7, week 8 is their buy.
2: Okay, so it's a couple more weeks of torture, and then a little bit less torture after that, maybe.
1: Perhaps. I, I think if they make the change, <laughs> and, and Torrey Smith is available on your waiver wire, if they make that change to Kaepernick... Smith mm. becomes interesting again because Cap can throw the deep ball, but even then, it's it's a speculative ad. How much do we see Kaepernick aired out? It's just it's it's a mess. That it, it, there's no other way to put it right now. It is it is a week eight buy. I did count correctly, so things are, are looking up on All right. Friday. Uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about some injuries. A lot of injuries this time of year. They're only going to pile up in greater quantity as we move forward. It doesn't sound like Des Bryant is going to return this week for Dallas. There's still some concern that you know he could do some further damage. Uh, the official word hasn't been passed down yet, but it would be surprising to see him out there against the Bengals on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I mean, we, we said last week that we knew he'd be off last week and then maybe come back for the tougher opponents uh, this week. You know, Cincinnati, we figured they might want him back for that, but... Uh... You know, it 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 didn't work out that way. So yeah, it's not looking good for him. It's going to be interesting to see how they divvy things out. Well, this week without him, Uh, Cincinnati obviously pretty tough defense in that sense. You know, increased reps for you know increased targets for Terrence Williams. Increased reps for Bryce Butler, who actually intrigues me a little bit as we saw last week with Brian out. A little bit you know playmaking ability in the right setup, like maybe in the red zone, and you know with Dak Prescott. Uh, prolonging plays the way he does I think it's good for Butler to be able to make some moves with that uh, downfield Uh, Jason Wynn obviously will be leaning on a bit more as usual with that Um, so yeah the Cowboys offense you know they've gotten by without Des it's a tougher opponent this time I don't know if it's going to be great for betting on Dallas to win the the, the whole thing in this this one but in fantasy there'll be you know mediocrity across the board I think uh, besides Ezekiel Elliott who will obviously carry the load whenever possible
1: I'm sticking with my my Bengals pick from yesterday but Looking at Dallas's offense, without Brian again, I mean, Cole Beasley should get decent volume. Witten will get a good number of targets. Terrence Williams is the default number one, but he only had six targets last week uh, against San Francisco. Four for 44 in a score, so not a not a terrible outcome if you are, are using Terrence Williams by necessity. But Bryce Butler was the player who picked up a lot of extra targets last week. Mm-hmm. Nine targets, five catches, 41 yards, and a score Uh, Do you expect Bryce Butler to take on a larger role again in Week 5, or do you think that was just more of a a one-week aberration against the Niners?
2: Um, I think the defense probably helped him there, uh, but... I think they realize that there's a little bit more to him. You know, Cole Beasley, has they've challenged downfield a bit more with Beasley in the last few weeks, surprisingly. I think he's had like a 20-yard catch finally a couple weeks ago. But, you know, the guy they want to stretch the field is is not him. I think Butler is the one that would take advantage of of what Dez's routes would offer, the the tree that he's running and stuff like that. You know, mostly single-back Dallas in those situations. So they would have three wide receivers on the field at that time with Witten. Um, Butler just is a little bit more dynamic than Beasley and probably Williams. Williams is kind of just the go-route guy, you know, the, the one route tree type of person. So, yeah, I think Butler has the most to gain out of all of this. Um, so I think he'd be the one that I would be most intrigued by to, to go with the cheap play. If Williams with the, tar- the targets will be probably going up for him, but I think Butler's got more talent anyway.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Stefan Diggs. He is doubtful for the matchup against Houston. Definitely a big blow for the Vikings not having him out there. He's been banged up for the last two games, though. A uh, groin injury has been slowing him down. Diggs didn't practice all week, so if he gets on the field, it's a big surprise. We don't see that many doubtful tags as far as guys playing through them. Mm -hmm. Does anyone step up enough to where you want to consider picking them up and streaming them? Does Charles Johnson become good enough to utilize in a matchup against the Texans, or do you kind of just stay away from the entire group of pass catchers in Minnesota because it might be the Jarek McKinnon show as the focal point of the Minnesota offense?
2: Could be the Kyle Rudolph show again, too. I think that's the only one I'm really trusting uh, to any extent among those guys. Obviously, they've been rotating Cordell or Patterson in even the last couple of weeks, and uh, that obviously throws a wrench into everything. You know, would have loved to have that, you know, a couple of years ago when we all thought he'd be a sleeper. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of talent there. Maybe this is his chance to do something. Uh, Adam Thielen actually has been a little bit serviceable, not really for fantasy as much, but, you know, to keep Sam Bradford as a relevant quarterback with all these injuries and stuff like that. Bradford, to me, actually, doesn't look that bad as a quarterback two this week anyway, because obviously Houston without J.J. Watt still a solid matchup for him. They've been able to divvy the ball, you know, among a bunch of people pretty effectively. Bradford, I think, is an underrated fit for this uh, North Turner system. He's got the arm to to make it work. Transition's is going pretty well for him, I'd say, and I think this is a thing that, he, that Minnesota can actually survive to some extent. Obviously, McKinnon will be heavily involved, uh, you know, in both hopefully running and passing to keep Matt Asiata from vulturing. Uh, as he tends to do, but you know Bradford, I, I still would be okay with starting Bradford this week, especially if I have buy uh, problems there. Uh, I wouldn't pick a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver to really go all in
1: on though. I, I just I wonder with Matt Asiata, like why why Mike Zimmer, who appears to be a very smart coach, insists upon using the short yardage back in this case. I mean, McKinnon is a better player. Like, why do you have to commit to making it a difficult gain of one or two yards when you have someone? averages like four and a half yards per carry in McKinnon
2: well I mean McKinnon himself is not a terrible between the tackles back either it's just there's a notion of you have to change up with your main back if he's somewhat undersized or in McKinnon's case you know decently undersized because you know you don't want to get unhurt hurt or anything like that you know we've seen guys like Gio Bernard Devontae Freeman Uh, you know, even smaller guys than that be really effective as as having a good running style on the inside, and nothing gets taken away from them when they're down low. You know, facing eight man or nine man boxes. I, I just think that they should give them a shot at that. It's they just say, oh, by default, you have to do it. Some guys are just in that old school mentality, and it really irritates me.
1: Well, yeah, I think there's an aspect to getting short yardage, just getting any positive yardage that comes down to acceleration. How, how quickly do you hit the hole? And, and sometimes smaller backs can do that more effectively. They, they move quicker in shorter distances, even though uh, you, you like them for top-end speed, too. You know, their burst might be such that they are actually the better options, but old-school mentality is still uh, alive and well. Uh, Eric Decker out this week for the Jets, got the shoulder injury. Maybe he's back next week. Jets don't have a bye until week 11, so he's in a, a difficult spot. But the player who everybody would be going after ordinarily, Quincy Inunwa, has a sore knee and he popped up as questionable on the injury report today. So he was in addition as of Friday, maybe still healthy enough to play Sunday against Pittsburgh, but not necessarily guaranteed to play his typical volume of snaps as a result of this new injury.
2: The Jets are thanking everything they can that Matt Forte practiced yesterday. Cause it's going to be pretty messy. If, if he wouldn't, that would have been a really, really terrible situation offensively for them. Uh, you know, obviously a I, I, I could see them, I don't, don't want to say forcing him to play, but definitely saying, you know, or he could maybe just think cause Decker's out, he might just tough it up and do it anyway. I mean, Jalen Marshall is also doubtful, uh, looked like for them. And Robbie Anderson being the third receiver with the noon, healthy, you know, they, they need the depth in that sense there. Um, you know, Anderson did play uh, 62 offensive snaps in week four uh, for the necessary of, of of that with Decker out as well. You know, not necessarily a whole lot to, that we've known of Anderson yet. You know, physically not terrible measurables there. It seems like 6'3", 187 if I'm not mistaken. So that's, you know, a little, little on the light side, but, you know, tall enough where he might be able to get a matchup problem there. Am I going to use him? No. Am I going to say maybe that's enough to cause Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, to at least be a decent quarterback this week? Perhaps. Maybe DFS considerations with Fitzpatrick as well there, so uh
1: I like, I like definitely. Marshall i don't, I don't I just I don't know if there's enough behind Marshall with the injuries to to throw fits in there, but I do think Marshall's a good play uh, with yeah. bound oh, of up course. because they're going to force the yeah. behind at Marshall, and the price really isn't that bad, but Robbie Anderson when, when players like Robbie Anderson come up, I mean, I didn't track Temple when he played there <laughs> that, that was not they were not on my radar. It just reminds me of the part of Happy Gilmore when Vern Lundquist is uh, is the announcer, of course, in that movie, and he sees Happy Gilmore's name pop up on uh, on the screen after like a long drive, and he covers his mic and just goes, "Who the hell is Happy Gilmore?" <laughs> like he just—it's exactly how I feel about the Robbie Andersons of the world when they end up in prominent roles, and it's exactly what I say out loud, you know, like when they score inevitably on Sunday, you see them pop up in the highlights or on red zone, and you're like, "Oh." That really doesn't help anyone except for the people playing against, you know, Brandon Marshall, for example. Like those players can only remove value from other players that we're relying upon if if they do get on the field and find their way into valuable targets and, and valuable snaps.
2: Yeah, I mean, d- d- we we think that Marshall, you know, might get hurt by this, but you know, Marshall's overcome tough matchups throughout his career. Obviously, he even came we, with Seattle last week. He overcame that secondary. And I don't think the Steelers have any real matchup problems for him on the secondary that much anymore. So I think that, you know, Marshall's pretty safe in, in terms of, of, of year-long leagues. You're definitely not benching Marshall because of this situation. It's only, you know, just like you said, just just balloon his workload even
1: further. You mentioned Matt Forte back at practice. Seems like he's going to be fine. It's been a rib injury slowing him down. I mean, he fully practiced on Thursday, so that gave us a pretty indication that he's in fact fine or as close to fine as he can be, but... I did make a trade in the Stake league. I had Matt Forte. I didn't feel good about it at any point, even even after the three TD game. Kind of like this is this is just fool's gold. And I wanted to get an upgrade at running back, so I flipped Forte. It's a twelve, it's a fourteen team league. Three receivers. We're at bye weeks. We're at injuries. I flipped Forte uh, with Tyrell Williams and Philip Dorsett to get Demarco Murray. So I just got an upgrade. Good deal, fair deal. What are your thoughts on that? And where do you stand on Forte for the rest of the season? <laughs>
2: I think that Murray is a safer bet for the rest of the year because that offense and his, you know, age is a little bit more you know acceptable than for at least you know for the case of him having the workload as well. I think if you know Forte is a bit more to contend with with Pell. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be that much of a of a of a detriment to Murray's workload because the Titans are usually playing from behind. So. Well, all's, all's equal. I do prefer Murray as the the running back in general. So the difference with those the two add-on wide receivers, I mean, that's probably just about equal in my eyes. Uh, if you, it seems like you're loaded at wide receiver. That's the way you team the draft. So it makes sense to me that you would have leftovers like that to just kind of give away and get the upgrade there. So, yeah, I, as a deal I would have made if I was in your shoes, if, if you have the wide receiver depth that it seems like you do. Yeah,
1: And if you're scrambling for a second and third receiver, I mean, the owner that made that deal had – an injury and then, like, maybe a bye week, too. So, he'll play both the guys he got. And right. I like I Tyrell Williams. I'm souring on Philip Dorset a bit, but they are viable depth options in a 14 team league. Um, and Forte's volume looks safe as long as he's healthy, but I'm starting to bet against health given his age and that he was banged up uh, with this rib injury. He had the, the hamstring, I think it was, back in training camp in the preseason. So, I, I wanted to just get away from my only share. Of Forte, and I felt like that was a good way to do it, getting DeMarco Murray. Uh, Latavius Murray has a case of turf toe. I don't feel good about this at all. Mm-hmm. I don't have Latavius Murray anywhere, but maybe this explains why he's averaging just 10 carries a game.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the normal game plan for this Raiders offense does involve switching Murray out for, you know, pass heavy drives and stuff like that and the game situation game flow with you know more pass friendly uh, running backs there you know we see deandre washington and jalen richard and you ola, ola Wally getting time in, even uh depending on if the you know they're trying to come back or something like that but yeah i luckily i had Murray from last year in a keeper league, but I also have, I also drafted DeAndre Washington this year. Actually traded up in our rookie draft to get DeAndre Washington to lock up that spot in that same that very same deep flex league I was talking about before. So Washington's a guy that I you know I've been on for a while, and uh, you know the, the, he has the his, he has the build to be a feature back even at five eight. Uh, I think there's you know the fumble is that he had uh, last week. I believe he lost a fumble. That's the thing that people might say, oh rookie won't have any trust. I think he's the one that gets the number one work. For as long as Murray out, which I think could be a couple weeks, um, Richard is more of the gimmick, speed, change-up player. Uh, Washington's the guy I think would would be number one there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I like DeAndre Washington a lot. I think he's gonna kick a few of us in the pills in in DFS potentially if we go overboard with mm-hmm. shares, but it's salary relief to the max. Like it's totally yeah. totally worth at least having one or two lineups with him in it because the payoff, even with ten or twelve carries, if he's sharing touches, could be a big one. It could break off a long play and find the end zone this week. Uh, Marvin Jones, a little bit dinged up right now. I don't know if there's any indication that he's in danger of missing the game, but he was limited in practice on Thursday. We haven't seen a report of him for Friday at this point, but I, I think he'll be out there. The question is, Philadelphia's defense has been good so far. Do you think they can take away Jones as a viable option? I mean, Given how Jones has been, like how productive he's been, he's the player that you'd probably want to scheme against right now when you match up against that Detroit offense,
2: oh, absolutely! I think that's that would be their focus, I would imagine. I mean that, and that Philly defense, like you said, is undergoing a revelation with Jim Schwartz with the wide nine bringing that back uh, to Philly, uh, like the Jim Washburn used to do and stuff like that. And it's just it's great for that personnel. And I think it's great for. You know, their ability to rush the quarterback. They're one of the best pass rushing teams going right now, I would think. And uh, yeah, I think Jones would be the number one to stop. Maybe um, this is a Golden Tate game. Maybe this is a, uh, a game where he finally gets woken up because I think Stafford's going to be under duress a lot. And I think that he'll have to settle for guys like Tate and uh, obviously Theo Riddick and maybe Eric, even Eric Ebron most of the day. I, I don't think he's going to have a lot of time to let downfield plays develop. And that's kind of what's been Jones's bread and butter lately. So. You know, Philly's going to, I think, keep the field really small for Detroit's passing game and and maybe just elevate the other guys behind Jones. I wouldn't bench Jones, but I think it's very much to have lower expectations for him than what he's done.
1: Yeah, fine for season long. Less interesting this week in DFS than he has been to this point in the season for the reasons that you mentioned. Alshon uh, Jeffrey still dealing with a leg injury. This time it's a knee. Uh, he's probably going to be fine. His target volume has been a tick low. I, I wonder if the Bears have been backing off him a bit in part because he's seeing so much attention from opposing defenses, but 12.7 yards per target. He's made some big plays. Six of his 17 catches have gone for 20 or more yards already this season. Elshon Jeffrey has not found the end zone yet, but it seems like this matchup against the Colts is one where he's going to see a a season high in targets. He hasn't seen more than seven targets in a game yet, Tim. I, I think this is going to be the week where we see him get double digits in terms of targets, and we also see Elshon Jeffrey score.
2: Absolutely. I think it's, I don't want, I don't like saying players are due, but this just seems like a perfect storm for him to actually wake up. Uh, the Colts' defense, obviously, as we've talked about in the show before, nothing really to worry about. Vontae Davis, not really any sort of matchup issue that we would thought he would have been a few years ago. Obviously, hasn't really proven consistent of stopping top wideouts, even wideouts with you know uh, injury issues with Jeffrey. I can see Jeffrey having at least a double-digit uh, PPR game for sure. Uh, you know, Eddie Royal being questionable also. It's kind of throwing the targets off a little bit maybe here. Um, hopefully, Zach Miller is also healthy to kind of take some attention away. Because otherwise, it's going to be kind of a what what-the-heck. Type of you know who the heck is that moment that we mentioned before with a couple of their guys?
1: Yeah, that depth chart is terrible. <clears throat> <Like> Cameron <laughs> Meredith, Deontay Thompson, Josh Bellamy. I mean, it, it's a wasteland. So I, I think it's it's a key. It's a matter of if Royals out. It's a matter of how much can they feed Jeffrey and how much can Zach Miller take on. Like that's that's what it comes down to. But people like Brian Hoyer this week, and I don't disagree mm-hmm. with them. I mean, the price is low on daily sites and. In season long, he's actually a decent streaming option if you've got one of the quarterbacks that are on by this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, e- even if Royal doesn't play, I think Jeffrey and Miller and you know combinations to, to Jordan Howard or whoever else down there, I think it's enough for Hoyer to get two fifty and two. So that's that even that alone for that price would just be a profit anyway, and that would help the rest of your team.
1: A few more injuries to get to Trevor Simeon has the uh, AC injury to his non-throwing shoulder. He is considered questionable to play Sunday because there is no probable. Uh, He was making deep throws Friday during practice. He threw on Thursday as well. It sounds like he'll be out there, but could be a game time decision. I like the spot against the Falcons. The over under in that game was higher than I expected, but Trevor Simeon has an 8.2 YPA through four games. And, you know, the, the offense was very limited against Carolina in the opener. I felt like they were easing Trevor Simeon in quite a bit. And the efficiency went up against the Colts, made his layup in that spot, played well against the Bengals in week three, and was playing well against the Bucks early before leaving with that injury. The Broncos schedule, Tim, it's not bad. Falcons this week, Chargers, Texans Sands, JJ Watt at home in week seven, San Diego again a week eight, Oakland a week nine, and the Saints in week ten. I mean, if if you believe in Trevor Simeon's skills at all, this could be the kind of player that you make a move for in a two-quarterback league. Maybe you give up a more established option, and you upgrade a different spot in your roster, and then end up in a spot where he's really not that much of a downgrade as your second quarterback.
2: Uh, you, you just described my plan from this past week. I actually, in, in that same flex league, I keep going back to this because it's a good example. Because I, I, had Blake Bortles and Matthew Stafford two quarterback league. No, no super flex. I drafted uh, Carson Wentz and Trevor Simeon later on, and Sam Bradford, so I'm kind of overloaded at quarterback. I traded Wentz for Devontae Parker, knowing the fact that Simeon could be, like you said, that schedule, if he keeps that job, could be absurdly uh, insane as a good option for, for when you know Stafford has his buyer or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, Simeon had to grow into the offense. Uh, good fit for the offense, though. Uh, you know, Gary Kubiak type of quarterback that we've talked about. His YPA actually did increase with every game this year, so that's very encouraging to see that. And Atlanta, you know, They've had some weak efforts against uh, some, some some quarterbacks, and Simeon running this offense as efficiently as he does, he's probably a guy that you can trust to have another 20-point you know, quarterback game. So, yeah, it, 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 it's looking good for the Broncos' uh, passing game. The running game, I think, probably will be along the same lines, though, too.
1: The key is how much can Atlanta's offense move the ball against Denver's defense? If they can't, then mm-hmm. the attempts will be in the high 20s or low 30s for Simeon. If the Falcons are legitimately taking a step forward, if they can't uh, do anything to slow down Julio Jones, then... Things are very different. This game ends up being high-scoring, and Simeon gets you know, low to mid-30s, maybe even high 30s passing attempts if Atlanta's offense plays really well. I don't expect that to happen. I think it's more of a C.J. Anderson game than a Trevor Simeon game when it's all said and done, but it looks mm-hmm. like Simeon could be out there nonetheless. Uh, Tyler Eifer had a setback in his recovery from ankle surgery, but it wasn't with his ankle. It was actually with his back. He's not going to play in, in this week's game per head coach Marvin Lewis, so the Bengals go at least one more game without having Eifert at their disposal. Tim, he's one of those players that I, I really like, but I, I'm not trusting him to be the exact same guy he was pre-ankle injury coming back. Even though it's been a while, even though that wasn't the cause of the setback, I, I think as talented as Tyler Eifert is, it may take him a couple of games to get back into kind of his typical like, mid-season form.
2: Yeah, I want to know part of him this draft season in regular leagues because he's just he's just dead roster weight right now. You, you you invest that high in a guy like that, and you have to wait him out this long. He was already going to be you know a three to four week injury to start the year. Now he's ready to come back. Now he has this to set him back even more. It's just it's not a good situation to be owning him right now. The Bengals have proven they can get by with you know Uzoma as a as a starting tight ender. You know get more so with the wide receiver targets, and they they can survive without him. They want him to get right for later in the year. I mean now what does that get the owners that. that that's spent for him to be their guy. It's it's definitely just an adelux situation for them, and now you have to juggle two roster spots or just cut bait. And in ten team leagues, I don't see how it'd be a really big issue to cut bait if there's a lot of uh, tight ends to replace him on the waiver wire, and you think you can get him back, maybe. But deep leagues is kind of a you know you kind of have to sit still right now with yeah,
1: that. I think he's a forced hold in those deeper formats. Uh, Eric Ebron banged up right now. He's got a knee injury. He did not practice Friday. Didn't practice all week. So I think it's pretty doubtful that we're actually going to see him out there. An official label for him has not been made available, but considering that the Lions uh, need him to be healthy in the long run, pushing him out there with the bye week being so far away seems pretty unlikely. Maybe one week off or two weeks off now gets him back for three to four games before their bye in week 10. Uh, Cole Wick Quick, I think it's pronounced is uh, the backup tight end there. I don't know if any one guy steps up to get more targets, but it could be good for Anquan Bolden. We talked about Marvin Jones earlier, and and Philly kind of scheming to stop him. Anquan Bolden seems like the kind of player that could step up uh, even more so than Golden Tate if there are extra targets to go around.
2: Yeah, I uh, forgot to mention it before, but absolutely. I mean, you know, the veteran just kind of reading what Stafford needs in the you know on a broken player or something like that. That seems like a, a spot where Bolden could thrive. And uh, I mean. You know, you're a Family Guy fan, so I definitely thought you were doing cool
1: quick. Cool quick. Cool
2: <laughs> Quick, why are you emphasizing the age so much?
1: I like I like older Family Guy. <laughs> it got to a point where I just couldn't couldn't deal with it anymore. But yeah, the it the show has had its moments. Coolick. Even if you don't like every episode. I, I think there are some some quality ones uh, that have been thrown in there over the years. Uh Monday night matchup, Panthers, Bucks, Cam Newton's got the concussion. Uh, he has not been ruled out yet, but he's still in the protocol. Had a good day Friday, whatever that means. So, still a chance that he's he cleared. he had a good
2: breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> had had, like had a had know.
1: a bowl of Wheaties and, and <laughs> was feeling uh, feeling really good. I don't know. Like I, I I thought he got concussed in Week One, and they never really diagnosed him <laughs> with one. But we'll we'll see. It's it's a nice two week stretch. Tampa on Monday night, and then the Saints in the Dome in what should be a very high scoring game in Week Six. So if uh, Derek Anderson is the best available option in your league, you might actually get surprisingly good numbers from him in weeks five and six if he's forced to start either or both of those games.
2: No, absolutely. And obviously the Monday night situation is not a good one for this case. If he doesn't end up playing and you don't have the backup, you know, and you waited for him, you're done. You have to handcuff him with Anderson if you haven't yet, or someone... Um, you know, or just or just make the decision. that You just don't want to deal with it at this point. It's a great matchup, but maybe you just just get your points that you know you're going to get if you can't get Anderson. So um, it kind of really. It, it it you know it guides your hand to make the the you know the the one or the other play here. I don't think there's really any in between, unless you know. Obviously, Jameis Winston could have been dropped in some leagues, which will be I think would be pretty solid there too, because I think he'll have a top fifteen game at least against Carolina's defense, even for all their positives. So you definitely have to to, to plan for you know the, having a backup ready at a moment's notice there.
1: Yeah, I mean it might be like a top eight sort of week for for Jameis to be to be mm-hmm. honest, looking at that Carolina defense right now. Uh, Jonathan Stewart was not on the field for Friday's practice. It doesn't look like he'll go. He's got that hamstring injury. More Fozzie Whitaker and more Cameron Artis Payne. Do either of those guys interest you at all in this matchup?
2: Uh, I I guess Tampa Bay, the passing game, usually is my lean with stuff like that. So that might, you know, have Whitaker be the guy again. Uh, But, you know, there's a reason his last name is Payne, you know, because that's what this backfield is causing people that have to actually use it.
1: Major Payne. (laughs)
2: good movie underrated movie
1: uh good movie for its (laughs) genre as like a movie from my childhood or our our childhood like it's it's, that's 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 the degree to which it's good way
2: to back out man seriously i I I thought we we were in on this one
1: bailed really hard on that one (laughs) yeah i mean for for just ridiculous comedic value there are some some odd moments in that movie that are somewhat memorable on the other side of this matchup, Charles Sims has a knee injury. He didn't suit up on Friday. I mean of course these teams are gonna practice Saturday, so Friday's not the be all end all, but they'd be in a pretty bad spot because Doug Martin hasn't practiced this week. They got the bye in week six. It could be a Jaquiz Rogers Peyton Barber week for the Bucks.
2: Well, you know, and you gotta remember that Rogers has experience with Dirk Cutter, uh, you know, the the head coach there from their days with Atlanta. So I think he would be the one that they'll get most of the trust, despite the fact that Barber generally listed ahead in most depth charts I've seen. And, and Rodgers is a is familiarity with him. And I think he would call f- good plays for him, uh, you know, 70 something yards on, you know, 15 touches at best. Maybe you're looking at, maybe he finds the end zone. Uh, it'd just be more James Winston chucking the ball 50 times otherwise. So Rodgers, maybe if you really have desperation there and you can wait, or if you have Sims, you can add Rodgers too to back him up. Yeah, it's it's going to be a weird situation, even with that familiarity. So it's not a, not a thing I'm itching to play, but it'll be interesting to see how that, that works out, I think.
1: We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for any further injuries that pop up during the course of uh, this pod recording here, uh, middle of the afternoon on a Friday. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. Too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WIX.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Uh, Not a lot of tough sit-start questions on my mind this week, other than like the Atlanta-Denver situation. The first, Tevin Coleman. Uh, Coleman has the sickle cell trait, which is something we've known since the Falcons drafted him a couple years ago. Uh, but you look at Coleman as a player you wouldn't really want to play as the backup running back anyway. He's getting enough snaps to be useful in good matchups. But beyond that, still more of a guy that you keep on the bench in, in the event of like a Devontae Freeman injury. But Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, after going off for 300 yards and 500 yards respectively uh, last week, I mean, Julio's not sitting for anybody. But Matt Ryan, I think, is a legitimate sit candidate depending on what your alternative is as far as starting options go.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I wouldn't bench Jones either because, uh, you know, keep to Maybe he'll shadow him. Maybe not. It's kind of, you know, you don't want to take that and have Jones go off on your bench in my opinion. Uh, he, He's, he's almost match proof to begin with anyway. Uh, But Ryan overall line, I, I could definitely see that taking a little bit of a nosedive with that pass rush. Uh, Obviously Atlanta has a good, good offensive line that could combat that a little bit, but I just don't trust it as much on the road. And, you know, I think the Matt Ryan on the road, not being as good narratives overblown, but it's going to be a tough place to play. I think in this case uh, for him, it definitely more of a, I, I'll go in line before saying top 15 quarterback numbers for Ryan. I think that might even be a ceiling this week. Uh, I, I think he's kind of bucked the trend a little bit so far in overachieving. So I think that this is a really, really pristine, perfect looking week for that to kind of just, just drop off and you know, have him just fall flat. <laughs>
1: Broncos on the road on Sunday, Seattle on the road in week six. So, yeah, regression coming, (laughs) and he might be better overall this year. Weeks seven and beyond might be really productive. I like the way the division sets up for really all the quarterbacks in it. I just don't like these next two weeks at all for Matt Ryan, given that those are two really tough matchups on the road. Not even about Matt Ryan and how he plays outside the dome either, as he said. It's more about the quality of those defenses than anything else. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you look at that game. I, again, I, I'm not sitting Julio. I mean, as you look through your lineups this week, are there any players that you're you're particularly concerned about that you're relying upon in significant roles?
2: Well, I, I think that it's it's a case where I think that, you know, running back situations are just getting really weird with all these injuries and stuff like that. And, you know, Gio Bernard's obviously a guy I've been looking at. Do I still keep playing him? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jer-
1: he's, he's a mess right now.
2: <laughs> I mean, Jeremy Hill obviously proving to be a little more, you know, useful. And even in passing downs I noticed and you think that the timeshare would have been there, but, you know, not really looking to be the case at this moment. Bernard's just kind of the gimmick at the, are they waiting for him to be uh used? I mean I think Hugh Jackson's departure is really really hurting Bernard's value more than I thought it would have initially.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a big problem. I, I thought Bernard was pretty safe. I thought where he was going in PPR leagues, especially he was actually a tick underpriced, and it just doesn't look like that's the case anymore. Uh, I compared him to, I think, a, a rich man's, who was it, like Shane Vereen, essentially yes. Shane Vereen's healthy. Mm-hmm. More of a pass-catching specialist than we realize. And you know, when he carries the ball, he's not bad, but the, the workload is so game-flow dependent for Gio Bernard that you just don't feel great about starting him when you have to throw him in your lineup and you know, once in a while it works. He has the seven, eight, nine catch game and a PPR league. And that puts you over the top for a week, but other weeks he sort of disappears from the game plan. And it's just, uh, it's nothing but pain in those spots. I was trying to think the other player for me that uh, is a little tricky this week is actually Chris Hogan because mm. I've got him stashed away a few places. I'm in a situation now the stake league where I traded away those two depth guys. I was going to play Tyrell Williams before I traded him. Now I'm playing Hogan as my third receiver, and I just wonder if I'm overestimating the Brady effect on, on the Patriots' offense. You know, if, if Gronk gets well and Bennett still has a role, and Edelman does Edelman things, is there enough to go around for a fourth guy in Hogan? Because I, I like like the fact that the Patriots sought him out. I just think it's really crowded offense at the present time, and relying on him week to week might be a little bit of a leap of faith.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Edelman injury it seems like it would be something where he'd play. It just seems like typical Patriots coin is to me, but you never know. I mean, I think that obviously, you no know, Edelman makes Hogan a great play. I would, definitely, I would totally Hulk out on Hogan. See what I did there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that one <laughs> but, that one's brutal.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why you have me on the show for that, that, you know, awesome entertainment value. But yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I have Hogan in a few spots, kind of tucking away, waiting for that extra opportunity to open up. I mean, Danny Amendola might be that, you know, if, if he happens to get hurt again, that that's, gives Hogan a little bit more value to me because Amendola has flashed, you know, pretty good, uh, good shows so far whenever they do actually target him. So yeah, Hogan's a bit far down the depth chart. I'm by strapped in one league where I have to play him and Edelman. Hopefully both of them are active or else I have to find someone else. So, uh, the matchup's great, obviously with Cleveland. So that's kind of the one thing that makes you consider that maybe he'll get that accident accidental touchdown, even if Edelman's playing.
1: And I'm looking right now, as far as alternatives, freely available alternatives at receiver on this Friday. I mean, Charles Johnson, who could have a larger role with Stephon Diggs out. I mean, do I do I really like Charles Johnson enough to play him over Hogan with the match against Houston? Probably not. Uh, Bryce Butler, we've talked about him maybe benefiting from Dez still being out. Not a great spot for him. Like, I'm not excited enough about those guys. Brian Quick, two big weeks back-to-back, but do you really trust anything in the Rams passing game as being sustainable we're talking about a player that has put up double digit fantasy points these last 2 weeks because he scored 3 TDs in those games on a total of 8 targets that have turned into 4 catches and i just i don't know if there's anything with Brian Cook that's that's reliable he has got the size and the speed he's 6'3 218 i guess the speed would be something he doesn't actually have but mm. He does have the size to be a good red zone receiver on a team that doesn't have a lot at the position, but I, I can't I can't trust Case Keenum in that passing attack week to week.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing Tavon Austin's not available, right? Because that would be seems like a perfect spot for him.
1: Yeah, he's you know, he's not available either. So. Yeah. Oh, receivers yeah. receivers a little thin right now on the yeah. waiver wire. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe a share of Vincent Jackson for when they. The Bucks schedule opens up. They got the week six bye, and then they get San Francisco, Oakland, Atlanta, Chicago for a run. Like if Vincent Jackson's gonna get right, it's in the four weeks coming out of that bye. That 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 is pretty tasty. But that he might, he be might just well. be done. Like he, he might just be broken. <laughs> he's been cutting a good number of leagues though.
2: Yeah, I mean the separation is definitely not where it used to be when when, when he's actually, you know, going downfield. He, he might just be like a ten point PPR guy from now on. And might maybe he'll break one or two every few weeks of twenty plus but you know the bucks do throw a lot
1: so seven nine six and five for the target volume so far i mean 27 targets in four games isn't bad so if you got an empty roster spot which i do after making that trade i think i'm gonna pick him up just gonna pick him up and see what happens maybe he's an easy cut for me a week or two from now if he has another clunker this week but who knows maybe it goes right before drafting vincent jackson reasonably early it was a solid mid-round target on draft day
0: yeah, I
2: and I, I think out of those guys I think Jackson actually would be the one I would pick because those those uh, Carolina cornerbacks are really green. I mean, and they've been exposed a bit more the last few weeks. And A guy like Jackson, I think that might be the case where he does make, make a good veteran move or something like that on the field and just kind of break one loose on these guys. And, you know, it's not proving to be the same secondary as it used to be. I'm not sure that's Josh Norman leaving all by himself. I just think maybe the collective now is just really hurting without him. So I, I think I'd go with Jackson. I, I'd probably see what Edelman's status is. Wait for Hogan to see if he gets that opportunity. And if not, maybe go with Vincent Jackson if you're really that confident. It's, it's definitely a good call between those two, though.
1: I'm just going to stash him. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to use him, but I'm going to stash him. Really? Because I've, got, right. I've got the spot i actually got one more roster spot to burn too which is kind of rare to have two mm-hmm. empty spots you make a three for one deal that's that's the payoff you get to go waiver shopping uh i'm trying to think if there's like a running back that i want to spec on right now i mean you mentioned Jalen richard before is he actually worth taking a chance out what if deandre washington isn't the player we want him to be
2: Oh no, I I think he's a he's a pretty close number two in you know terms of touch percentage. I don't think it would be that huge a difference. I think it might be like a fifty-five, forty-five, sixty to forty difference in terms of percentage of touches if it's just the two of them. But you know you also have guys like Olawale that'll kind of invade that touch. Uh, work each week. Uh, other running backs. I mean, Kenneth Dixon. I would imagine would not be available in a fourteen-team league. Yeah, he that just, would be. He got scooped yeah. up at
1: some point recently. It's, yeah, it's, it's thin as you as you would expect. Mm. Uh, CJ Spiller's out there. I, I'm not. That's doing, such. A, not uh, going I, not really,
2: you're not that interested in. If you if you just have a spot to burn, you wouldn't think maybe. Maybe he gets a little bit more in the passing game each week now.
1: it is surprising that he was able to score last week, but the volume wasn't Well, the chance good. though two That's two carries three targets I don't know i Kristen Michael looks good
2: yeah i I think it's more so in the in the not the taking his job, just carving out a little bit of a role with you know the wide receivers behind Baldwin really being erratic at this point.
1: This is such a dumpster fire right now. John Coon <laughs> because of the three TD games like shows up really high. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not going to be a thing. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: and you would and you would know too, obviously.
1: I've, I've, you, you I've lived I've lived the John Coon experience. Great blocker.
2: Um, Andre Ellington oh he might be locked now anyway though.
1: Yeah yeah Ellington uh, has a, a larger role with Chris Johnson getting hurt. That's that's kind of a sneaky like deep league PPR ad that probably won't mm-hmm. cost people that much money, but. He's explosive. He doesn't need a lot of touches to be useful. You know, the receivers have underperformed. I, I can see Ellington maybe squeezing out a game or two where he, he's got some value with with a lot of teams on buy in the coming weeks.
2: You know what? I think I might drop Asiata for him in the half PPR flex league, uh, the flex league that uh, Jake Sealy of Roto Experts runs. So I think I might uh, do that move. What do you think? I have Bernard, Coleman, Darkwell, Ivory. Demarco Murray and Charles Sims. Otherwise, I think Ellington could be an interesting stash there.
1: Might as well if he starts hitting, make a move two for one, something like that. Upgrade a spot. I think that could work. The other name uh. that's sort of intriguing is Zach Zenner, only because mm-hmm. the Lions are, are dealing with the, an injury to Dwayne Washington. Amir Abdullah still down. Theoretic to me doesn't look like a good ball carrier. It's a tough matchup this week against the Eagles. It, it's just not. It's not a good setup for him. Like, but it, volume could be there. So maybe. He's the kind of dart you pick up this week. If he doesn't get the volume carry wise, you expect he's an easy cut going into week six.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, just kind of, like you said, no, no, fr- no uh, commitment to that. So that, that's a positive there. Um, and now you got the Bills running back pitcher being confusing too. Now with Carlos Williams possibly coming back, gross. So he was, he's yeah. going to serve a
1: suspension though.
2: That's right. Yeah. So he's got, not.
1: he's got four games to to sit before he can do anything. But, yeah, that's that's not what you want. Hopefully, Lashawn McCoy ends up being just fine. I, I've got him in the Stopa League, and he looked really good last week. I mean, I, I think McCoy is one mm-hmm. of those players that people people might have underestimated, undervalued back on draft day. One last thought uh, is to play waiver defense with that last spot. I mean, what if I just add Jaquiz Rogers for the sole purpose of making sure nobody else can pick him up last minute and throw him in if the bucks end up not having their running backs available on Monday night.
2: Yeah. That actually might even be, be, be your most helpful move for
1: this week. And then just plan on cutting him because I don't, I don't think he's actually really going to be that good, but I don't know. Yeah. Got got a couple options well, that I'm, that I'm kicking around. Uh, let's talk about some players we like on DraftKings for this weekend, starting at the quarterback position, Tim, what are you doing at quarterback this week?
2: Uh, all right. well, if can we make 5 lineups because i want to make 5 lineups with these quarterbacks um no i mean i i mean i'm sure everyone is going to choose tom brady you know tom brady is going to have a lot of heavy uh, usage there big bet against the jets i would imagine too um you know we had a couple of guys writing on the website this week about going you know for real gpp's uh factors of brian hoyer and ryan fitzpatrick mm-hmm. And we talked about hoyer before you know, very good, um, very good upside there for the price. And Fitzpatrick, you know, it's against the grain pick. I, I don't think the interceptions are that reflective of how he's played so far. I obviously wide receiver bit dinged up and all that, and they don't have much else there. But you know, uh, fifty one hundred, I believe he's only on DraftKings. Uh, you know, that's hard to hard to ignore, I guess, so to speak, in, in terms of the, of the price.
1: No, it is the the thing that I'm looking at at quarterback though is Eli Manning at six thousand, probably going to be very chalky. I'm okay with Chalky. I think that Giants-Packers game is going to be high scoring. I know people are all over the Packers because of McCarthy's record coming out of of bye weeks. Great. Mm. I think the Packers are going to win the game. I think they're favored by too much. I've seen seven and seven and a half. I think the over-under is actually a tick low because Green Bay is good against the run, not as ridiculously good as the per carry numbers through three weeks would tell you. I mean, they're probably going to be three and a half yards per carry this season when it's all said and done. The Giants aren't built to run the ball right now,
3: yeah. but they are built to
1: throw it. No Sam Shields in the secondary. Beckham and Sterling Shepard are both interesting to the point where I think an Eli-Beckham-Shepard stack is actually a good idea, but I think it's a chalky idea. So you have to Mm -hmm. maybe pivot more to that in cash games than in GPPs.
2: Well, Or maybe you go Victor
1: Cruz instead on one of them. Yeah, go Beckham Uh, and Cruz instead of Beckham and Shepard. Maybe Shepard and Cruz. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, man. That's
2: that's even more.
1: Yeah. You want to really just like tick everybody off. Like, go Eli with the other two (laughs) and like see if Demarius Randall can get Beckham ejected. Like, that's Demarius Randall's best chance of defending Odell Beckham (laughs) is to just get him tossed from the game in the first quarter. Like, maybe, maybe Randall should just like fight him. Like, he should just like on the first play, just tackle him to the ground and just like. Grab his helmet and just get him so riled up that it turns into a fist fight, and they both get ejected.
2: Just fall on your sword immediately on defense.
1: The, the, I wouldn't even. I would have to just wear headphones all day on Monday. I wouldn't be able to listen to anything sports talk related at all. If if Odell Beckham were to get ejected from this week's game, it would be it would be the end. The hot take machine would explode.
2: And take spelled T A E K obviously it's the only you, way
1: to spell take at that's this
2: how you point you have to do it it's the oh only way to spell
1: it but uh o- other quarterback options i mean i the, the hoyer and fitzpatrick thing and gpp i think we both like rivers a fair amount i was trying to figure out a little bit which which pass catchers i'd want to pair with rivers if i would want to go tyrell williams and travis benjamin or just one of them for hope of, of getting the production from one <sighs> guy as opposed to having it spread around to two or three
2: yeah, the, the Rivers stack is so difficult because, as you just said, they do spread it around. I mean, do, do you stack Hunter Henry even at tight end uh, if Gates can't go again? I'm not, I haven't seen the update on him, but maybe that's a case where you just get a cheap tight end out of it. Uh, I believe he's only 3100 something like that. $3,300. hundred. All right. It's cheap enough. Uh, but, uh, you know, Williams and Inman, they do kind of flip-flop snap counts. I mean, it, it was obviously Benjamin lost out last week, but that's a case where they are going to kind of switch. I think Benjamin's the only one that you can really be sure of being – but well, number one, at least on the field, being that often, right? I mean,
1: yeah, I don't and, think... Yeah, and Williams' targets like, have been a little higher these last two weeks, but Benjamin's going to get his chances. Like, I, I don't really have a lot of doubts about that.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. Um, yeah, The other two, I think, is definitely just kind of a more of a dice roll, picking one of them. Uh, as, as, as intriguing as it is to get that, I think Benjamin's the safest of those
1: three. By the way, I, I thought there was some concern about the Miami game on Sunday, but I think the storm will have passed Miami to the point where... That's going to end up being playable.
2: Yeah, I I just saw that a, a little while ago too. It might it might be even out by tonight. So
1: good. I mean, or, it's good it's, I mean, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. Like it sounds I mean, like it's been a little less destructive in America so far than I mean, Haiti got destroyed. Unfortunately, it's just it's terrible. Sucks. Um But yeah, like, the storm I think compared to the expectations, maybe a tick less. Hopefully, uh, it's significantly less when it's all said yeah. and done. But you know, I mean,
2: I. I yeah, I read. I read that the 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 stadium was able to with with you know withhold the uh, the high winds that they were expecting of it. So I don't think there was any like damage concerns initially. I think it was just more so the weather concerns.
1: The other thing I saw though was that the the way the storm was forecasted, it was going to hit Florida once, kind of go back out into the Atlantic, and then come back around a second time possibly. Like that was one <sighs> outcome as of like 24 hours ago. I haven't right. looked at an updated radar, so that could be a pretty bad situation too. Uh, but looking here now at the running back position, what do you like at running back? Any must plays or just guys that you're going to gravitate towards?
2: Uh, I think if you want to go high end, I think Lamar Miller's the guy to go to, um, you know the, the fact that people are kind of scared of Minnesota uh, defensively. I don't think that really has deterred the big running backs from doing. It. I think Minnesota's given up a few touchdowns to running backs this year, and they let Orleans Darkwood get a close one last week. I think Miller is going to be heavily involved regardless. I think he'll have a you know a, a high touch rate. I think he'll touch about 25 times at least uh, in that in that one to kind of you know um, give Houston a little bit of a fighting chance. I think Miller at 6,6300 in comparison to some of the higher end running backs, at 7,900 David Johnson was. Le'Veon Bell, seven seven 7,500. Uh, Miller at 63. I think there's a nice uh, gap in, in price there for, for the must-play.
1: The guy I like that's going to be very chalky, I think, this week is Jordan Howard at 5,200 right. against the Colts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get some salary relief. You get the lead back in an offense that can probably keep it close against the Colts. I mean, the Bears aren't a good defense, but the Colts' offensive line is so bad that I think any team can get some pressure. If you get pressure, you can keep it close. We saw what the Jags did opening a big lead last week in London uh, against the Colts I think the Bears will hang around in this game and as long as they're hanging around Howard's gonna get a lot of touches
2: absolutely he's in a couple of my my preliminary lineups already I, I make a few each week to kind of just kind of pick where I like to see the vulnerabilities in the market and obviously DeAndre Washington like we talked about before 3400 I mean that's just great timing for that news to come out to be up, have a price that low and like we said before like you said before it's a case where that is just great salary relief
1: for the for the workload so yeah he's he's in there too Devante Freeman's down at 5000. I don't think I'm going to use him but DraftKings full point PPR it looks like you you kind of like him this week.
2: I do. Um I was yeah, I was going to mention that after that and he, I think it's a 10 catch week for Freeman. It's if, if if Coleman can't suit up, I mean that's just that's that's a gimme price for a workload. I I don't think that the, any any running backs really going to have much besides him. Obviously maybe they'll give him breaks because of the altitude as well. But it's And as we said before, it might be a case where they can't push the ball downfield passing, so they'll have to rely on Freeman a lot. So yeah, 5000 That that's a pretty interesting grab there as well.
1: Looking at the other uh, running back that I want to go after, DeAndre Washington, of course, is in the mix. Uh, make sure you get the right D. Washington. There are, there are two on DraftKings. <laughs> yep. You want the $3,400 one playing for the Raiders. Uh, home against San Diego. San Diego's run defense from an efficiency standpoint isn't bad, but I don't really necessarily buy into it. Uh, at 3,400, like DeAndre Washington to me is a very good flex option on DraftKings because it frees up the salary you'd want if you're going to go with like a Beckham Antonio Brown combo in two of your three receiver spots.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, at least the Washington, the flex spot to to free up for things. I I do have an Antonio Brown Victor Cruz stack right now that's preliminarily in there. So, you know.
1: I mean, I'm glad Victor Cruz is back. By the way, like I, I didn't think mm-hmm. health wise he'd be very good this year, but he's been better than I expected. And hopefully, for his sake, uh, he can stay healthy and remain productive uh, going forward. Moving over to the receiver spot, though, Antonio Brown, I think worth paying up for against the Jets defense. It's giving up more than nine yards per attempt to opposing passers. Uh, Brandon Marshall, who I talked about earlier, is only 7100, so I really like him any mid tier options that you're gravitating towards i mean I, the top end guy like a j green's fine at eighty nine hundred I like him if you don't want to uh, go as chalky as say like Beckham uh, like randall cobb for example i i i'm a, i'm the Randall Cobb apologist i've accepted that <laughs> as my role like Randall Cobb at sixty two hundred even if you don't like any other packers in a full point p p r setting seems like a really nice value.
2: No, I dig that. The Giants' secondary is still pretty banged up, if I'm not mistaken, so that's even more of a cause to get Cobb. And, you know, you got to think coming off a bye, McCarthy, they had to think about, all right, how the heck can we get Cobb going again? And this is a great opportunity for that, I think. I'm with you on that. Chris Hogan, like I said before, if no Edelman, um, 4,100 Hogan's a pretty good one there. And I'll I'll just throw Tavon Austin out there again at 3,700. Just the fact that, you know, those playmakers can really, you know, tear up uh a rob ryan rex ryan defense so i'm gonna take the chance that austin does that in a couple of different ways this week uh special teams or um you know or, or just you know normal workload that he has
1: yeah Tavon austin in gpp settings is mm-hmm. uh, still there yep. when the price gets that low uh, how about the tight end spot what's uh, of interest to you there you fading gronk playing gronk uh, you going after cheaper options what do you want to do with that position uh,
2: Gronk and Cash. I think it's nice that they'll welcome him back pretty well. I think with Brady back this week. Uh, GPP. I mean, Zach Ertz probably is going to be a bit chalky, but I love that matchup. Obviously against Detroit, one of the easiest matchups for tight ends this year. I want to wait on some of the, you know, the, the Ga- Antonio Gates news of Hunter Henry's there at three thousand three hundred. Um, Richard Rogers, your boy at twenty nine hundred without Jared Cook.
1: My boy, uh, <laughs> dude. Jared Cook uh, tweeted a picture of a, a chicken wing, or was supposed yes. to be a chicken wing that was a chicken head. That. Like that is the oh, that is yeah. the that is my nightmare now. Like that is that was terrifying.
2: I I think that cost him an extra like four weeks of you know psychiatric treatment just because he saw that.
1: Yeah, that's that's not what you want at all <laughs> from from your local uh, wing place. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave yeah. out the name. Just mm-hmm. people are gonna they're gonna get enough bad press anyway for that that blunder. Uh, I, Titan's been a problem for me. It's not as bad on DraftKings as it is on some other sites because the. The mid-range options don't get priced up as much. You know, if Hunter Henry is out there again uh, in the absence of Antonio Gates, 3300 is a really appealing price on him. Uh, Kyle Rudolph's only 3600 He could be force-fed a lot of targets. And if you want to, like, make the ultimate troll everyone lineup, Martellus Bennett instead of mm-hmm. Gronk at 3700 could be <laughs> yep. a good way to go. Like, you could go, like, Victor Cruz martellus bennett like just just kind of like do like go after the offenses people like and rudolph doesn't fit in that but bennett does and for sure and just take the the guy that no one's talking about and just make an entire lineup like a one three five dollar tournament lineup with those players and if it hits it's going to be the best because everybody will hate you not only for winning but for just doing it that way <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes those you know those um, understudied types of, of guys really come through in the situations where, you know, we see this so many times. People get burned over chalk, so I, that's definitely uh, a good secondary. You know, what the heck type of lineup?
1: As far as your defenses go, are you looking at the Patriots against the Browns? Are You looking at the Rams against the Bills? Uh, what's uh, what's appealing to you?
2: I want to flip a coin among the Bears and Colts defenses because. <laughs> uh, That's a punt play, obviously, on that part. I think in both of those, Uh, you know, I'd rather probably lean on the Colts there because of the the, them being home. I guess it's pretty ugly otherwise, but I think that you know Hoyer will get sacked a bunch. Uh, Defense is, I don't know, defense is kind of. I always look to it as one of my last ones. Uh, Maybe you go really against the grain and go Buffalo against Case Keenum. Uh I don't know if I would do that but that's really uh yeah that's, that's that would really go against the field there.
1: I'm intrigued by the Fighting Schwartz going up uh, against the Lions at 2900.
2: It's only 29. Wow. It's pretty yeah. cheap for a, a good, for a
1: good Eagles defense. At least one that's been very good so far and they're coming off the bye so they're they're rested.
2: Yeah. I I, I forgot they were that cheap. All right. Yeah. I'll co-sign that
1: set set <laughs> the expectations uh, accordingly. All right, so as we get ready to sign off, Tim, you mentioned the, the pumpkin beer, and I was looking at the Untapped app after you, uh, after you mentioned I had the Dogfish Head pumpkin. I have not had the Southern Ooh. Tier pumpkin. I don't know if you've had the Dogfish Head one, but that one was pretty good.
2: Pumpkin, right? Yeah.
1: Pumpkin, yep.
2: Yeah, delicious. Um, those are two of my favorites. I think Southern Tier might actually be my favorite. If you can find a really weird one, there's another one out there, the uh, Elysian. Uh, it was actually just bought by um, InBev not long ago, but… They have this one. It's uh, called Punkachino. It's a uh, pumpkin coffee. It's a really obscure bottle. I don't know if they have it by you, but it's something I'm going to be looking for. Maybe something that I, I save for Tout Wars or something like that, or maybe we can we can buy that somewhere. But if you could find Elysian Punkachino, that's the one you got to go.
1: Okay. Yeah. Here. here here's the Here's the read. This, I got the label. That looks weird. Yeah. It's from Seattle, right?
2: Yeah. It's West Coast. I think it's Seattle. Yeah. Hmm
1: okay i'll put it on the radar I, i'm making that run i'm making that run tonight after after i go to take care of things at practice i'll be making a stop to restock for the weekend i want to have a party on sunday like for the Packard game and my parties are good because the beer is good like the company is suspect in the sense that i'm hosting but the beer is always good so that i think <laughs> makes up for it for a lot of people that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the rotowire fantasy football podcast good luck in week five